0: Friends, please turn with me to Psalms, Psalm chapter 86. Psalm chapter 86. Listen now to the holy, inerrant, and living word of God. A prayer of David. Incline your heart, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my life, for I am godly, Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you do I cry all the day. Gladden the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Listen to my plea for grace. In the day of my trouble, I call upon you, for you answer me. There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things, you alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I give thanks to you, O Lord, my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. For great is your steadfast love toward me. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. O God, insolent men have risen up against me. A band of ruthless men seeks my life, and they do not set you before them. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Turn to me and be gracious to me. Give your strength to your servant and save the son of your maidservant. Show me a sign of your favor that those who hate me may see and be put to shame because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. Amen. Let us come to our Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come to you in our time of need, in times of trouble, in times of suffering, in times of trials. And thank you, Lord, for making this possible because of your Son, Jesus Christ. And Father, even as we now try and understand this psalm, help us, Father, to see your glorious truths, where we would see that you are a good and gracious God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Friends, we all have access to the prayers of the Bible. And from them, we should learn great things about God and about prayer. Psalm 86 is an example of a very instructive prayer from a great man of God. We are going to see in the psalm, David worships the Lord. It is the only psalm in the third book of the psalms that is ascribed to King David. And like so many of David's prayers, he pleads from a frightened and wearied soul because of his troubles. He pleads for mercy and worships God, not in a setting like where we are all rested after a busy week of work in our best clothes, and our kids are clean, and nobody in imminent danger. No, David is worshiping the Lord and praying to God in a time of desperate need. When we think of someone like King David, inspired by the Holy Spirit, saint, he is also weak and in a humble place. And this is where he is in his desperate need. He prays to God and he worships God. It is a great prayer and with a firm grasp on the mercy and grace and the love of God. And he prays, To you, Lord, I will lift my soul for your great and your steadfast love to me. Well, David begins this psalm in a way that reminds us that we should always approach God humbly as sinners, needing grace. Our first point is that we should always approach God humbly as sinners needing grace. That is what we see in verses 1 to 4. He approaches God humbly. Psalm 86 shows a great spiritual eminent person such as David, one who is the anointed king of Israel, and he prays in a humble manner. Look at verse 1. It says, incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. He is poor and needy. No doubt that in part he is facing trials. He is afraid. He has got great difficulties. No doubt Psalm 86 was written when King Saul was hunting him down to kill him, and David is on the run, discouraged and seemingly in danger. And he says, Hear, O Lord. I am poor and needy. We can also see that in verse 14 where it says, Oh God, insolent men have risen up against me. A band of ruthless men seeks my life and they do not set you before them. And yet a man like him, he needed to pray this way all the time because he understood his poor and needy state and he's crying out, In in your ear, O oh Lord, and answer me. He is crying out for God to lean over, incline your ear, and then act in response to his prayer. And just an observation, even as you look look down in verse 7, it says, In the day of my trouble I call upon you, for you answer me. So there is a kind of dynamic at work here. David is saying that it is what you do. This is why I call on you, because you answer me. And he does that because he is poor and needy. It is like we all of us do. And David considers the greatness of God in his all-sufficiency. When we think of God as who he is, then we will realize that we are poor and needy. Our problem is we tend to compare ourselves with one another. In fact, we tend to find someone who is a little bit lower than us and we think we are doing all right. We are doing a little bit better than them. But when we look into the word of God through our knowledge of God and we see the truth of the glory and the riches and the wisdom and the holiness of God, we can only approach to him as people who are poor and needy. And we can only say, oh, Lord, have mercy on me. I'm poor and needy. There is no hypocrisy here. There is honesty and a transparency of heart. And he prays and he makes three requests with this attitude. And first, he says, he asks God for deliverance. We see that in verse 2. Preserve my life, for I am godly. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. David prays for deliverance, that is his first request. Do preserve me, be my defense, be my guide, be my God. There is a sense in which David is requesting God to be his bodyguard. This is the kind of prayer a man is praying when he's in anguish. This is the kind of prayer a man in great affliction will pray to God. David prays for deliverance, save your servant who trusts in you. And he says, for I am godly now we should be careful in not misunderstanding that when we hear the word godly we might think as someone who is a righteous person we need to understand david is not claiming to be perfectly righteous while he is facing these trials because later he asks for forgiveness but this phrase david uses simply means one who is fully devoted to god I am a man who loves you, God. I am not a sinless man. I am a man who seeks after you, and that is who I am. I am poor and needy, and that therefore only drives me to the one who meets my need, and that is God. I am godly in a sense. I trust in you and in your character. And in this way, he prays for deliverance. Now, friends... Perhaps you feel that way sometimes, and perhaps it has nothing to do with fleshly enemies in the sense of people. Perhaps it has to do with a long, hard struggle with sin in your life. Sin that plagues you, sinful habits that stay with you, and you cry out to God for deliverance. And the deliverance doesn't instantly come. And perhaps you feel like Paul who wanted to do what is right and did evil. And he didn't want to do evil, but he wanted to please God. And yet there was this conflict going on within him. And he looks forward to that day when he will be delivered. My God, he says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me? Who will deliver me from this body of death? And we see the answer even here in this text. In the next verse, David requests for grace in verse 3. The second request, for the help from the Lord was in the form of grace. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you do I cry all the day. The grace that he speaks of in verse 3 is compassionate favor. He wants God to look upon him in favor, but he also wants God to look upon him with compassion. He wants God to understand his affliction, to understand his need. He wants God to meet with him in the depths of his pain. And he cries to him all day long. I don't necessarily think that David literally meant that he was crying 24-7 all day long. But what I think we see here is that there were undoubtedly tears because of his circumstances And more than that, there was an attitude of dependence upon God. That deliverance would only come from God and that grace can only come from God. And there was this awareness in his heart that every moment of every day, he was dependent upon the grace of God. If anything good was to happen in his life, it was because of the grace of God. And why he wants God to be compassionate towards him? Because he knows, even in the midst of his trials, he's not just a victim, but that his heart can be sinfully responding. And he needs God's grace to sustain him. If your grace does not forgive me, there is no hope for me. That is the constant dependence on grace that you and I should have. And if we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we can have the confidence that the writer of Hebrews says, that we can have a confidence that he is the great high priest. We have this one who has already paid the price and the penalty for our sin, and therefore we can come to God boldly. Through Christ, we can come to his throne of grace, and we can find the grace and the help we need in the time of our need. Friends, God never intended prayer to be something that we do periodically from time to time just to shoot up these little requests. God always intended prayer to be a lifestyle and an attitude of constant awareness of dependency. That is what you need to have if you are depressed. If you are depressed. Cry to God all day long. Get up and do what you are responsible for and cry to God all day long. Don't retreat away from the people of God whom God has provided for you for your encouragement. But fellowship with them and pray all day long because the dark times will come and we cannot go into our bubble until the sunshine comes again. So David prayed for deliverance. He prayed for grace And he also prayed for gladness. That is the third request we see here. Look at verse 4. Gladden the soul of your servant. To you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. Make me glad, Lord. My soul is discouraged. I am down. I have lost my joy. Make me glad, Lord. Fill my soul with joy. For it is to you that I lift up my soul. David understood that when joy was gone, the only way to get it back is to get it from God. He knew that God is the source of joy. And so he had to just keep crying out to God. And eventually that gladness would return. That joy would be given. Let me just encourage you. If you're in a job that you don't like if you are a parent of small children and you are at your limits with your children's constant demands or if you are trying to teach your children or students and they are frustrating you by their lack of effort or if you are discipling a brother or a sister, someone in our church and they are being very difficult and unwilling to listen to your counsel and in any of this, if you are feeling so tired and you are like, I can't do this anymore Let me encourage you to pray like this as you see in Psalm 86. Gladden the soul of your servant. The remarkable thing of walking with God is that this is the kind of thing He does. Even in our unpleasant circumstances that we don't really like, that we don't want to be, He is with us and we will start feel the joy of the Lord when we call upon his name in spite of everything that is going around us and in verse 5 he give thanks to God for he is ready to forgive which leads me to believe that the absence of joy in verse 4 is because of the sin of David's life it's not always the case that if you are not joyful there is sin in your life but it is often the case And so he sought God for forgiveness and he thanks God for his always being ready to forgive. We can see that in Psalm 32 verse 3. It says, For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, my strength was dried up as by the heat of the summer. And this is because of his sin. And then in verse 5 he says, I acknowledge my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Friends, nothing will kill joy like unconfessed sin. Nothing. So search your heart for uh, sinful tendencies in your life. So David prayed for gladness. So the first principle that God wants us to learn is that we should always approach God humbly as sinners needing grace. And David approached God humbly requesting deliverance, humbly requesting grace, and humbly requesting gladness in his heart. But David's confidence to come to God not only based on the knowledge of himself and his neediness, but it also based on the knowledge of who God is. That would be our second point. That is what we will see in the next few verses. David approached God because of his supremacy. David is able to come to God in a state of utter dependence because of God's character. We will see that from verses 5 to 10. One reason we don't turn to God in our despair is because we are not meditating who God is. But David says, For you, O Lord, Are good and forgiving abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you we see our problem very well but we don't see our God very well but David says my God is good friends if you don't believe God is good you will not seek him in prayer as you should he knew that God is good even when he is suffering Joseph learned this, who could have easily doubted the goodness of God. When he was sold into slavery by his brothers, when he was thrown into prison by Potiphar because of his wife's false accusations, when he was forgotten in the jail by the baker and the cupbearer, he could have easily doubted the goodness of God. But he did not. And David says that God is good because of his readiness to forgive. Brothers and sisters, if you ever wonder if God is good and doubt his goodness look to the cross for an instance Look to the cross of Jesus and remind yourself how God has forgiven you in Christ if you are a believer It is almost like David at this point of his psalm is preaching these truths to himself He is preaching to himself of all the good news about God to himself And by doing so From asking God for grace, recognizing the goodness and forgiveness of God and his steadfast love, he starts to worship God. By saying in verse 8, there is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor there are any works like yours. Verse 10, for you are great and are greatly to be praised. And you do wondrous things and you alone are God. You are great and big Than any of my problems there is nothing that you cannot do and he says in verse 9 there will be one day one day where the whole world will bow down before you in worship what David is doing in these verses are that he is reminding himself of the attributes of God And this is poetry, so that there is a difference in the structure. But these attributes appear all over the psalm, not necessarily all in one order. But the point here is, in times of trouble, when everything around you is changing, you need to understand that there is one rock that never changes, and that is God. So you take the confusion of wondering what God has in store for you in your future. And what is he trying to teach you in this trial? And you bring them and you submit them under the truths like God is sovereign. Like God is good. God is merciful. God is wise. And I don't have to understand all those things. I don't have to understand why am I going through the trials. I can ask God. He won't be offended by that. But I don't need to know that. What I need to know is I need to submit all of my doubts all of my confusion, all of my mental stress, all of my fears to what I know to be true. That God is good and He will never change. In fact, He alone is God. That God is unique. Nor are there any work like God's. Psalm 86 verse 9, he says, All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. This is prophetic of the messianic kingdom when Christ reigns upon this earth after judging everyone. And we also see in verse 15 that he is merciful. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. God is merciful. Now the question should rise as to why that is true. David knew that by experience. And how is it true for us? How is it true that God is merciful towards sinners like us? The answer is because of Jesus Christ. It is because of Jesus Christ because of the ultimate mercy of God. It is because Jesus Christ came to earth, died upon the cross of Calvary so that the mercy of God could be freely flowing to sinners like you and me. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we are dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Mercy is God withholding judgment from us that we deserve. So David says, God, I know I not only deserve the adversity that I am now facing, but I deserve worse than this. You see, in pride, we often have a problem to accept the suffering. We will say, I do not deserve this, when the reality is, we not only deserve what we are going through, I'm not talking in the sense of a personal punishment kind of way, but I'm saying adversity in general is given for Christians. Jesus promised that in John chapter 16, verse 34. In the world, you will have tribulation. And the point we need to come to is that, God, I do see that this tribulation is given And more than that, I deserve more. I deserve condemnation for all of eternity. I deserve hell. I deserve to be cast out of your presence in an eternal hell, separated from you forever. But you have been merciful to me in my sin. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus, who bore away my sin on the cross. How I know and live as your child, knowing your abounding love. There is no other suffering Jesus endured for our sake so that we can be righteous towards God. He has gone through the ultimate trial and suffering and he has come triumphant. So those of you who are poor and needy, those of you who are suffering, those of you who are in sin and refuse to repent, today is the day of salvation. Look to this merciful Jesus and turn to him in faith and repentance. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. And for Christians, what do I do now? In the midst of my trials and my sufferings, I'm not going to be in the state of depression, but I will bow down and worship you because in verse 10, for you alone are God. Friends, let me encourage you this afternoon whatever you are going through in your life. Pray to God, recognizing your humble dependence and understanding God's good character. If you are overwhelmed by your troubles, focus on this glorious God Who he is, God is good. He's ready to forgive. He's merciful. He's abounding in love. He answers our prayers, and there is none like him. And he deserves our prayers. And one day, all the nations will bow before him, and he alone is God. This is the God to whom we pray. And now, David, as he continues his request, now he gets into submitting petitions, which are more specific, with renewed supplications. This would be our third point, renewed petitions to a faithful God. And look, we we'll look at it in verse 11, is concerned primarily, firstly, about his own sins. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. David doesn't go from God, I need you, I'm poor and needy. David doesn't go from there to you are good, you are great, you are merciful, you are gracious. And now, please fix this. But before he prays that God addressing his troubles, David is concerned about his personal relationship with God. He wants to be right with God. That we see in verses 11 to 13. He wants God to fix him before fixing his problems. Since God is so great and he does such wondrous things, David wants to know more. He asks the Lord to teach him his ways. David wants to walk in God's truth. He understands that before he can rightly make his petitions to God, he needs to be walking in faithful obedience. Now think about it for a moment, friend. How do we pray to God? We get into debt thoughtlessly, not thinking about contentment or being a faithful steward with what God has given to us and not think about what walking in faith would look like. We get into trouble. We fall back in our payments and then we ask God for help to come out of this debt. Help me so that my employer can pay my salary on time. This is how we turn to God. God, do this for me, then I will obey you. We know this, right, don't we? God, get me out of this trial, and next time I will walk in faithfulness. But David starts with God. Teach me how to walk in your truth. Help me, Father, to understand whether I should take this loan or not. Is this a need or a want? Help me to understand if I'm coveting. Help me to understand if I'm lacking contentment before getting into trouble later and then asking God to fix it. And look closely at verse 11, end of verse 11. Unite my heart to fear your name. He's asking God to not only teach his way, but he's asking God to unite his heart. Now the fear of the Lord is not the slavish cringing fear that God is going to zap you. The fear of the Lord causes, the fear of the Lord here is that it is an awe and reverence for the Lord that is mingled with deep love and affection for God. The fear of the Lord causes us to be single minded in our devotion to Him and obedience to Him. And with that fear, He wanted a heart that is completely united to God. So often, our hearts can be divided and can be moving in different directions. And David wants a heart that is solely and fully focused upon God. Focused upon God's glory and focused upon his obedience to God's ways. And with such a heart, he, asks, he says in verse 12, I give thanks to you, O Lord, my God. With my whole heart, I will glorify your name forever. In the midst of his problem, he is saying, I give thanks to you, God. I'm usually tempted not to be thankful because of my problem, but not David. He's thankful to God and is glorifying God and the glory of God is at the center of his thought even before he submits his petitions to him. Is that your attitude when you come to God in prayer? When you are sick? When you are suffering? When you are having a really, really bad day? And when you turn to God, do you turn to God thinking, I really want to glorify God in the midst of my circumstances? Or I really, really, really want to get out of this situation. And so he says in verse 13, he repeats the reason for his desire to glory in this verse. He says, for great is your steadfast love towards me. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. Do you see that his reason to learn God's ways, to walk in God's ways with the whole heart in reverential fear and to glorify his name forever is because of who God is, of his great steadfast love and deliverance. Now people use this verse very commonly that there is great power in prayer. This statement is incomplete at best. This is a very unhelpful term. Prayer is not some type of mystical thing or some kind of positive kind of thinking. And prayer in and of itself is not powerful. The power in prayer is in the one to whom we pray. And in this case, to the one whose love is great and can deliver our souls from shore. Not the prayers of the imam or a Muslim or a Buddhist or a Hindu will do but a prayer with the right understanding of who we are and with the right understanding of who God is. We have seen this in the book of James two weeks back. James 5 verse 16, it says the prayer of any person will do. Is that what it says? No, it says the prayer of the righteous person has great power as it is working. And what that means is that one who believes in the righteousness of Christ and one who is living righteously, who is seeking to be devoted to God. In the Old Testament, David understood coming to God meant to walk in righteousness. And for us, no, we can now come to God because of the righteousness of Christ and walking in the spirit of obedience. In Christ, we know that God the Father will hear our prayers. David knew that and after that he comes now to God with his request and finally at this point David is specifically speaking about his problem verse 14 he says oh god insolent men have risen up against me a band of ruthless men seek my life and they do not set you before them and he asks three things to god And he does so in light of all that he has prayed and praised for God so far. So as a person united with God, who fears God and who wants to glorify God, what does he ask for? He asks for God's strength. If our troubles do anything, they drain our strength, don't they? They wear us out. This gives us sleepless nights. Our hearts literally feel heavy. And David asks for strength. Not personal strength, God's strength to face these trials and the strength to trust in the Lord. We see that in verse 16. Give your strength to your servant. And secondly, he prays. He prays for grace again. He prays for deliverance. But see how he does it. Show me a sign of your favor that those who hate me may see." and be put to shame because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. In Hebrew, the word favor can be translated as grace. So he says, show me your strength and your grace. And what does he mean to show me the sign of your favor? God, show me some kind of sign in a cloud in the sky. If you look at the text, he says, show me the sign of your favor And the reason is, so that those who hate me may see and be put to shame because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. The sign that he wanted to be clear to everybody is that when God delivered him and that everybody would know that it was God who had delivered him. Meaning, even though his trials were huge, David saw his God as greater and he wanted everyone to see that God is the one who has rescued him. And although his affliction was heavy, he saw the weight of God's glory with greater clarity. And so often, when we want, is a quick fix and an immediate deliverance from our trouble. But David is fully immersed in God's truths and he's asking that God would be glorified through his life. So even as he's praying these petitions, he's still remembering the simple truths that he has mentioned earlier. And if you see the psalm, it is repeated time and time again. We can see words like, you are God, merciful, gracious, steadfast, abounding in love, in faithfulness. And we can see that throughout. So don't be afraid if your prayers are repetitive. But pray in a way that is meaningful that reminds you about who God is. So friends, let me conclude with these questions. What if our trouble is a means to help us understand our need for God? What if that one of the reasons you are going through troubles is for God's glory? What if our troubles are are to build our confidence and our understanding of God's goodness and His graciousness and loving kindness? What if our troubles help us to see our lack of faith and walk with God? What if our troubles help us to see how we can glorify God through our troubles? And by that, people could see that it was God who has delivered us through that trouble. And what if trouble are you're going through right now enables to see you to see God more clearly than ever before? My prayer is that whatever it is troubling our hearts this afternoon, we will grow in understanding of our need for God, and it will equip us to suffer well. The one who has provided ultimately all that you will need on the cross. That he is forgiving you and he is good and gracious God. And he is working all things for your good. That it would remind you to have a united heart with God rather than a divided heart. That your troubles would only challenge you to glorify God in the midst of that. And you will be able to do it by grace each and every day. One songwriter wrote this song: "God moves in mysterious ways." He writes, "Ye fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds ye so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings on your head. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust Him for His grace. Behind a frowning providence, He hides." A smiling face. His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. Blind unbelief is sure to err and scan his work in vain. God is his own interpreter and he will make it plain. Christ Church, God moves in mysterious ways. But we can know he is a good and gracious God. And we can always come to him in prayers, knowing that he will preserve us till the end. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you because you are a good and gracious God abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, for your Son, Jesus, through whom we can see the mercy and love of you in our lives. And help us, Father, to now live as people who are saved by grace. And give us grace, Lord, to run to you in our time of need. Help us, Father, to recognize our need and call upon your name and ask for deliverance when we need it. Give us grace, Father, to grow in this way, and that we help us, Father, to suffer well for your glory alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.